Yud Aleph Kislev, Tafshin Ayin Tet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great Ariel Zilber with Rifa'inu Hashem opens things up on this week's live edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for making us a part of your week. We are here each and every Monday immediately following JM in the AM. 
9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that is the time that we're on. Write it down so you'll know. And, of course, you can listen to us whenever you like, on demand. On demand. You demand it, and it'll be there. Just go to the archives on uh, NahumSiegel.com or on the great NahumSiegel Network app, and uh, you'll be able to uh, pick any show that you'd like and listen to it. It's there. It doesn't go away. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Some people will like it to go away. I don't think so. Um, we're going to talk about the situation in Israel. If we have time, we'll talk about some other things. But, oh my God, the last week there were, <laughs> there were enough goings-on in Israel, enough events, or as I called a roller coaster ride of events, that shook Israel, that, that uh, uh, normal countries wouldn't have in two, three months, if not longer. And we'll tell you all about uh, all about that. Um, the tension broke a few hours ago, and uh, we'll tell you about the internal tension, I should say. Uh, we'll tell you about that as well. We'll bring you um, some clips from uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's speech to the Israeli people, to the nation, uh, that he gave last night during the uh, main news time, a little after 8 o'clock. In which he made his case. We'll bring you some a few clips of the uh, speech that uh, Naftali Bennett gave uh, a few hours ago. I was uh, uh, something that I heard, which was very cute, is that Naftali Bennett w- wrote one speech and used it for two opposite goals. <laughs> He wrote a resignation speech and ended up use it for using it for non-resignation. So I guess you can write the same speech and use it for two opposite different opposite uh, goals, which is quite interesting. Uh, all that's coming up. We are going to um, play from Tzama, volume number three, Yifrach B'yamav Sadik, a traditional Chabad nigan, and we're going to send this out in honor of the Chabad Shluchim in Athens, who saved the Shabbat for well over a hundred people who uh, were uh, sort of stranded there. And kol uh, to the to the shluchim. All the Chabad shluchim are amazing, really, really, really amazing. And um, yet again, they prove themselves yet again. So kol uh, to them. We thank them, and this is in honor of them. My name is Mayor Wangat, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh 
Tzama volume number three, the uh, series Tzama, and the various volumes all devoted to Nigunim of Chabad. This is a classic, Yifrach B'yam of Tzadik. And um, it goes out in honor of the Chabad Shluchim in Athens, who accommodated well over 100 people, I think it was like 150 or 160 people, who uh, ended up getting stuck there in Athens due to a long, <laughs> convoluted, and complicated story about an El Al flight that wasn't going to make it to Israel on time. 
if you're listening to this at, at any point in time, close to uh, when we're uh, when we're broadcasting it, then uh, you probably are familiar with the whole story. But the point here is to congratulate and to thank, to give tremendous hakarat hatov to Rabbi Mendel and his Rebetzin Nechama Hendel, who are the Chabad Shluchim in Athens, with uh, a few hours' warning, they got to a hotel right across the street from the airport. This was a hotel that El Al paid to accommodate those uh, Shomer Shabbat passengers, and they they just cooked and bought and had food and made the Shabbos into, uh, as some one of the participants described, a Shabbat of unity, where Jews of every stripe that you could imagine that were uh, Shomer Shabbat, even some who were not Shomer Shabbat, who, you know, um, maybe would ride on Shabbat, that they're Misorati, but didn't want to fly on Shabbat, were there as well, and they made the Shabbat into a beautiful experience for all these people. Their website is, uh, let me just get back to it, www.chabad, C-H-A-B-A-D, dot G-R, like Greece, uh, Chabad, C-H-A-B-A-D, dot G-R. You can, even if it's just to give them words of encouragement, send them a, a message if you want to donate. Obviously, I think they're collecting for uh, the building of a mikveh there and so forth. Just amazing, and it just reminds us how uh, amazing the Chabad Shluchim around the world are. Uh, always there for any Jew that's in need. And I, and I must tell you that Israelis who love to travel, and young Israelis, right after the army, they many of them set out on, on a half a year's long um, travel to jungles, to, to mountainous areas, to the, to the Himalayas, to wherever, to all these places, and end up coming to Chabad and um, appreciating what they do. In fact, the um, Kathmandu is the location of the largest Pesach Seder in the world because all the Israelis already plan weeks in advance to come to the Chabad in Kathmandu and participate in this I think well over a thousand people uh, in the Seder. Kudos to everybody. So what a week it has been in Israel. As we left the live broadcast, as we were reaching like the last 10 minutes of the live broadcast last week, which means about 10 to 5 p.m. Israel time, last Monday, November the 12th, we actually reported to you the beginnings of a barrage of missile attacks on Israel. The reports literally came in within minutes. And uh, you heard it here live. We didn't know what was going to unfold. But we shared with you the live reports that were coming in about this barrage of missiles. What ended up happening, as many of you are probably aware... Close, close to or a little over, it doesn't matter, around 500 rockets were fired within this 24-hour period from Gaza into southern Israel, of course, trying as much as possible to hit civilian targets in cities as close as they wrote as far as Beersheba. Nitivot along the way, the Shuvim of Otef Azah, 
and so forth and so on, creating really a night of terror for the people in southern Israel. And by the way, also up to Ashkelon, where the only fatality of this, which you got to say, it's miraculous that that about 500 missiles are being shot, and although they don't have the ability to aim them well or precisely, they're definitely aiming them towards the cities and they're getting through, that there was only one fatality, and the irony of it is that the fatality was an Arab, an Arab worker who was uh, what they call a Shabbat Shoheb Bilti Chuki. He was uh, overnighting illegally in Israel so that he doesn't have to go back and forth and so forth, and unfortunately there are many of those, and he's the one fatality of close to 500 missiles. Um, There was an addition, a very scary additional event, which which was part of this. I think it was the first time I might be wrong. The, uh, The Hamas terrorists from Gaza shot a uh, precision missile, an anti-aircraft missile, what's called in Hebrew, Nud Mem, Neged Mitosim. They shot it at a bus. And there's video of this, you can see it. We'll try and post it later on our Facebook page. And the bus just goes up, obviously. A soldier who was standing nearby was badly injured. The bus was empty, but it wasn't empty like a minute and a half before that. It was filled with 50 Israeli soldiers. I think our whole world during the last week would have looked differently had that missile hit the bus, God forbid, with the 50 soldiers inside. Because there's no way that Israel would have not reacted in a totally different way. But it didn't. Did the Hamas do that on purpose or not? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they felt that doing that would be going over a line that Israel couldn't just stand by and watch anymore. Well, that day, the day with 500 missiles, at the end of which Hamas announces a ceasefire, not Israel, Hamas, the terrorist organization that rules Gaza, they announce, okay, Ceasefire, if Israel doesn't, doesn't shoot, we, we will stop shooting. And Israel accepts. The people who live in southern Israel, you might think, you might think, would be happy to have their peace back. They won't have to spend the night in, in secure rooms and hearing air raid sirens every two seconds. But they demonstrated, they all went out and demonstrated against it. They said, we've gone through this, we've lived through this, we want you to get this taken care of. Go into Aza, do whatever you have to do. Israel showed in their minds and in the perception in general, surely the perception in Aza and surely the perception in Israel. Israel showed weakness, even though Israel is not weak. Israel has tremendous power. Israel could wipe out Gaza in a second if it wanted to. But the people in the southern part of Israel were upset 
about Israel's very weak and what they would consider tepid response. The result of that was, I'm uh, I'm not going to categorize it, I'm just going to say the facts first. That the Minister of Defense, Avigdor Lieberman, who has been very vocal, strong military proponent of hitting Hamas hard, he resigned. He got up and he said, this government is not doing what needs to be done. I tried to change things from inside. I tried to get the army to do things that were a lot more uh, uh, muscular than what they did vis-a-vis Aza. And I wasn't able, says the Minister of Defense, I was not able to get that result. The army, which follows the rulings of the cabinet, which is a small group of ministers, and the prime minister, who really is the one who will get the final say, they overruled me, and they went with the army recommendations, and this is also interesting. The army, the head of the Shin Bet, the head of the Mossad, they all were rather pacifistic in this, uh, in this particular endeavor, for sure, probably in others as well, um, recommending that Israel doesn't go at, into some sort of a uh, ground war and so forth. What did Israel do? Israel, every night, said, we're retaliating, we won't stand by quietly when our cities are being shelled, and massive bombings by the Air Force in Gaza. We'll get to that in a moment. Well, everybody thought that's it. If Avigdor Lieberman resigns as Minister of Defense and pulls his party out of the coalition, the coalition will have 61 members, the parties that will remain. You need 61 members of Knesset. Knesset has 120 members. You need 61 to have a majority and to be able to rule. If you only have 61, then you're constantly on the precipice of falling. And every little guy, every Knesset member who has a, 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 some sort of a beef or some sort of a, a thing that he wants to get can blackmail the prime minister and the whole coalition. It is a teetering situation. And so... From last Tuesday and on, the various elements within the coalition were saying, this can't last, this can't last, we have to call for new elections. Now, elections in Israel, unlike in America, for example, have a set date, but I don't think ever in the history of Israel did they take place on the date that they were set to take place, meaning when... A government when there's an elections, there's four years before the next elections. So if the if we wait the full four years, the next elections in a year from now, November of 2019. But if the government cannot sustain a coalition, does not have a majority of the Knesset members supporting it, 61 Knesset members, then we go to elections. And again, I, I, I'd have to check it. But if it ever happened that the government served the full four years, 
it, it, it was a fluke of history that happened many, many years ago. Usually the government, two years, two and a half years, maybe three years, and then it's over. So the expectation that there would have not been elections until next November, was it was, it was a little crazy. Everybody was saying it's never happened. Like, how, how could this be? How could we now uh, keep going? But everybody was saying this is the genius of Bibi Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu, his political genius, his ability to survive in all in all storms, and his popularity. I, I think other politicians, if they would feel that they have the popularity, that they have the backing of the people, they would force new elections. But they all realize that, uh, at least until recently, Netanyahu did have the support of the people. He was seen as a strong leader, an international leader, one who during the past few years has traveled all over the world and, and been received with great honor and has made Israel into somewhat of a world power, surely in high-tech and in water, desalination, fresh water issues. He's managed to get the United States to undo the Iran deal. Together with President Trump, he was very lucky to be able to work with President Trump and get to Jerusalem the embassy moved to Jerusalem and so forth. So he has a lot under his belt and he has tread carefully to make sure that he survives the internal politics. But over the past probably half a year, let's say, much has happened in which he showed, at least outwardly, weakness. And that is something that his base cannot tolerate. And we will go through those events, see what it is that turned around the feeling of his base from feeling confident in the strength of Prime Minister Netanyahu to feeling uncomfortable with what they perceive as his weakness. We'll do that after we... uh, Have Rami Kleinstein present Yom Shaloyachzar. Rami Kleinstein, Yom Shaloyachzar. This is a day that will never come back. Great video that goes with this, by the way. We'll post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We've gotten a bunch of new likes. I'll try and um, read out the names this week or next week of those who have joined us, the likes of which <laughs> we really like. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. בתוך כל המרוץ הצלחנו להעט את הקצב והעצב התהפך למתוק אחרי כל המילים למדנו איך לשתוק עשרים וארבע שעות שלא שירתה אור השארנו את הרעש המינוס מאחות תפסנו איזה סרט סתם באמצע יום ירדנו אל החוף התחלנו קצת לנשום את החופש והחושך מפוצץ כוכבים תרפנו זה טוב, כי היינו רעבים, וזה יום שלא יחזור, 
Kleinstein, Yom Shelo Yachazor. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So, as we're going through the events of last week, Avigdor Lieberman, Defense Minister, resigns, calls out the Prime Minister as being too weak, and uh, he expects, I'm going to believe, that the government will fall and there will be new elections soon, which is what he wants. And so Naftali Bennett, the head of the Bayit Hayudi party, the religious Zionist party, says, well then, I want to be Minister of Defense. And he reminds the Prime Minister that before the last elections, three years, three-something years ago, Naftali Bennett was promised the Defense Ministry by the Prime Minister. Shockingly, the Prime Minister did not keep his word. <laughs> He's very good at that stuff especially when it comes to appointments. And after the elections, he made Naftali Bennett a minister of, Naftali Bennett minister of education, which he's done a great job. But the prime minister gave in to Ayelet Shaked becoming justice minister, and she's done a great job in that, in that role. But now Naftali Bennett says, now that the Ministry of Defense is vacant, I want the job. And if we don't, if that doesn't happen, we, the... Bayit HaYud party will leave the government, and that, at that point, obviously, will trigger new elections. It will force new elections, 
the law in Israel would require there to be three months before the election. So people were talking about the possibility of March. There's there's so many different uh, problems with different dates. Of course, there's Chagim, and then there's Pesach, which followed by Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaSmut. So that knocks out a month. And then there's the summer vacation. They don't want to do it during the summer vacation because a lot of people are away. So, you know, when you, <laughs> everything is so complicated um, because there's no set election day. And um, they have all these uh, uh, different uh, considerations that take place. Anyway, it was considered that the elections would take place either in March or in May. Um, and Naftali Bennett throws the ball into the court of the prime minister and says, either I get the uh, defense ministership because, he says, because, unfortunately, the defense department is not doing its job. And Naftali Bennett has been constant, a constant critic of the former defense minister, Avigdor Lieberman, because for political reasons, they're fighting over a similar portion of the base, the right wing of Israel, those who believe that Israel should be more proactive militarily and so forth. So so there are three groups, if you will, at least, fighting for the same votes. The Likud, led by Prime Minister Netanyahu, Avigdor Lieberman and his party, and Naftali Bennett and his party. So they're all trying to outflank the other to the right. Who is more right-wing? Who is, who is more militaristic? Who is more... Um, pro a um, more muscular defense and, uh, and so forth. And so they call a press conference, uh, Bennett and his um, partner, Ayala Chaked, for 10.30 this morning, Monday morning, November the 19th. There's going to be a major dramatic announcement. 10.30 in the morning at the Knesset, everybody come and Everybody, and it's so amazing how the media, you know, tries to always predict things, and then we find that uh, predictions are really worthless. Just wait, and you'll see what happens. Um, all the media say that's it. He didn't get the defense ministership, and he is going to withdraw from the government, withdraw his party, new elections, turmoil, blah, 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 blah. The night before, last night, Israel time, 10 after 8, prime time news, the Prime Minister comes and announces in a live telecast to the nation, he's not weak, he cares about everybody's security, he's Mr. Security, it just looks weak. But you know, he says to the Israeli electorate, you know that I wouldn't make decisions that are not in your best interest, that I would not make decisions because of personal needs, like the fact that I'm being investigated by the police in three different investigations, or that I'm chickening out because I'm afraid of pressure from certain places. And what's the reason that I've done what I'm doing that seems to you to not be strong enough response to the Hezbollah, to the Hamas? Well, here's the answer. Here is a clip from that um, 
addressed to the nation last night. Oh, of course. I'm going to be a little cynical, I'm sorry. You just don't see the whole picture, which is true, we don't. But that has been used so often and has so often been proven to be just yet another political excuse. I think people are tired of hearing that. I know the Ramatkal, the chief of staff, we know things that we can't share with you, and we see the bigger picture, and so whatever we did in what looks to be capitulation, it's really not. So, if a huge, all these are things we've spoken about, a huge tract of, of land not in between Yerushalayim and, and the Dead Sea, which is supposed to be part of Israel, is taken over by Arabs illegally and allowed to continue to grow and grow and grow. And finally, the high court rules that it's okay to tear it down and get those out, because if not, they're just going to continue to build illegally everywhere a week or so before it's about to be evacuated, the Prime Minister says, no, we're delaying the evacuation. Weakness. Months, since May, for months and months, the uh, Hamas and Aza have been holding weekly demonstrations of tens of thousands of people on the border with Aza threatening to cut through the fence, threatening to march into Israel, burning acres and acres and acres of land in Otef Aza, people in those communities right near Aza living in fear. No response. Twice allowing cash to be given over to the heads of the Hamas from Qatar, the latest one last week, $51 million in, in suitcases of cash, which just disappears, gets distributed by the heads of the Hamas to themselves. Working toward Hazdara, which is a, a fancy way of saying we're negotiating with the terrorists, for a ceasefire while the violence continues. The 500 rockets in one day. And such a weak response from Israel puts the Prime Minister in a situation that his base is angry, so he has to answer. The retaliations, by the way, oh, I'll say there were retaliations. Every time there there were missiles, there were this. Oh, Israel responded. How? They bombed pre-planned targets. They have a bank of targets, they call it. I always wonder, if they had this bank of targets, why don't they just bomb them, period? Why do they have to wait for something to happen in order to bomb the bank of targets? But it turns out, according to most reports, that the bank of targets are mostly empty houses, And open fields, and it's sort of like a way of CYA. Oh, we responded. And those that aren't empty, for example, they, they bombed a major high-rise building in Aza 
which housed uh, supposedly the studios of the Palestinian Television Authority. So Israel, according to uh, the way they operate, they have to warn the people in the building so that they don't get killed when the bombing takes place. So they have Hakesh al-Agad, where they throw a a very minor... Um, something that gives the people in the building it's on the roof, it bangs into the roof and it gives the people in the building a warning that Israel is about to bomb this building so get out so any leaders of Hamas that might still be there, leave and then they bomb an empty building all these things give the impression, whether true or not that Israel is weak so Netanyahu has to now shore up his bona fides with defense, and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. All these things, the way you're interpreting them are wrong, because there's a much bigger picture here that you don't see and you don't understand, but I do. you got to trust me. And I wonder how many people in Israel will continue to go along with, with that. There's another clip I want to share with you. Which, um, two clips where Netanyahu says, I have a plan. I know what the plan is, and you have to allow me to complete this plan. So, again, this mantra of, I know what to do. I know when to do it and how to do it. We're in the middle of this. And you got to let me finish. You don't abandon ship. And then he says, we're in one of the most complex strategic situations of defense now. You can't bring down the government. It'll be... A terrible thing. This is not the right thing. This is not the Zionist loyal thing to do. This is a betrayal if you walk away now. Not only that, Prime Minister Netanyahu, we won't play that cl- this next clip. We're running out of time, of course. Prime Minister Netanyahu says, I want to remind you that in 1992, right-wing elements in the government brought down the government. And what did we get as a result? As a result of that election, we got the Rabin Paris government and Oslo. And in 1999, the same thing happened. People were saying the government isn't strong enough, isn't tough enough. We have to bring down the government. And what happened? We got Ehud Barak and the Intifada. Don't make that same mistake. And he is right on that count. We don't know who's going to come. But whoever comes, if it's not a right-wing government, there will be a return to this, I think, was proven to be a crazy concept of all we have to do is give up more territory and everything will be fine. 
So Bennett, who is about to resign and bring down the government, realizes that his base won't like that. Netanyahu last night threw the ball into his court. And so this morning, Bennett shifted his whole plan, which was to resign and bring down the government, realizing it would work against him, criticized Netanyahu, criticized the defense policy, said he still wants to be Minister of Defense, but it would be irresponsible to bring down the government now, and he won't. But don't be fooled, he said. We're not in some sort of a complex strategic situation like we've never been before. Here's a clip of Naftali Bennett. אגב, המצב היום איננו מסוכן יותר מאשר לפני רק כמה חודשים, כאשר ראש הממשלה, ראש הממשלה פעל על מנת להפיל את ממשלתו שלו מסיבות פוליטיות או בגלל התאגיד. המצב אותו דבר. What Bennett is saying is, don't believe the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister is a liar, basically, is what he's saying. My interpretation of his words. The Prime Minister is a liar, because not long ago, he wanted to bring down the government because it was, it was good for him. It was expeditious for him to do it. Nothing changed. We're not in some sort of apocalypse of, of defense threats now. And then he made a statement which, is, which struck a chord. Here is it, here it is in the original, and then we'll explain it after. Very short, but very potent. He says that the soldiers in Israel today are more afraid of the jag of Israel's attorney, uh, military attorneys who are sitting at every moment to judge every action of every soldier and as we've seen in some cases even bring soldiers to to court and imprison them if they made a mistake that the soldiers believe it or not before the air force bombs a target in Gaza they have to get the permission of a lawyer from israeli military attorney general's office how can you fight a war like that but israel's so afraid of the International Court in The Hague, of countries in Europe arresting soldiers that come on visits as war criminals. This is the result of the Goldstone Report of a previous war. Of course, he got blowback for that, but I think that that speaks to many people in Israel. You can't fight a war like that. Well, so Bennett and Shaked didn't resign. The Prime Minister got himself, bought himself more time. And now we continue with the teetering government, 61. All you need is one defection or two defections and you're finished. But um, Netanyahu claims he'll do it. And Bennett spent most of his presentation speaking against the Prime Minister and against the defense strategies that he claims are too weak. Again, talking to his base. And said, we'll give the Prime Minister a chance. Let's see if he'll turn it around. So now, the ball is back in the court of Netanyahu. And and as somebody just watching from the side, I'm like, stop playing ball. 
politicians going back and forth and back and forth. Just stop playing. It's serious stuff, and I know that they know it's serious stuff. But unfortunately, we've become so cynical as we don't know what to believe anymore. I want to mention uh, one other thing. Last week, I uh, did something which I don't usually do. I expressed my personal thoughts about security issues in Israel and I said something to the effect that I have lost confidence in the Prime Minister, and I was echoing what so many in Israel were thinking, but I've been very careful throughout these many, many years that um, I've had the privilege of sharing a microphone with you, not to do that. And so uh, I apologize for that. And um, I was expressing the grief of the people that were there, but uh, that's not for me to say. You, I, I think it's quite obvious where I'm coming from, but being that I'm not the one who will end up bearing the results of these decisions, I always say defense decisions should be left to the people in Israel who serve in the army or serve in the Miluim or their children do. And I think that is the appropriate behavior. And I'll say to those people who've posted uh, these or shared posts of Israeli politicians saying things like, we have to invade Gaza, we got to go there, why don't we knock them out, why don't we take down Hamas? Guys, take it easy. What happens the next day? Israel can go, Israel can wipe out Hamas. Israel can take over Gaza again. And what happens the day after? Israel doesn't want, and when I say Israel, I say the overwhelming majority, but overwhelming majority of Israelis, well into the 90%, don't want to be in charge of Gaza. And surely there's no way to chase away whatever million, whatever Arabs that live there. It's not happening. Stop living in that fantasy land that we can just carpet bomb them and turn it into a turn it into a parking lot. And then what happens? And then who's gonna be on in Gaza risking their life every day patrolling the streets and making sure that the curfew is kept and providing all the local sanitation and who, whatever, who's going to be doing that? Israeli young men and women? So if you're in Israel and you feel that that's something that you want to do or you want your kids to do, you're entitled to your opinion. If you're not, just give it a rest. Kani Eldad with Simcha. Whoa, oh my gosh, it's so late. Oh gosh, gosh, gosh. Let's see what we're going to do here. Well, we'll play Carney Eldad with Simchal Artzecha, and then we'll close out with something else. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
with the Shlomo Kaba classic Simcha Le'artzecha here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, before we close out, I'm, I, I used to have this minhag, this custom of uh, closing out with a positive story, and we've always run out of time. I'm going to try and make it today. I saw this yesterday. I thought it was very cool. You know the Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day parade, which takes place uh, in Manhattan every year, Thanksgiving morning. Millions, um, you watch it on TV, thousands, tens of thousands, if not more, gather on the streets of Manhattan in the cold weather to watch this parade with the huge floats, these humongous balloons that uh, fly through the air. Well, in the initiative of the Diaspora Affairs Ministry and an attempt to bring Jews in Israel and abroad together in the wake of the recent grave anti-Semitic incidents around the world, especially in the United States with the Pittsburgh Synagogue Massacre. The Macy's Parade balloons are coming to Yerushalayim. It's called Together Walking with World Jewry. It will feature street orchestras, youth movements, giant displays, of artists, convoy of classic cars, players from a Paul Yerushalayim basketball team, and more, parading through the streets of Yerushalayim. And the famous balloons displays from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will be on, I don't know how they're going to get those over, including characters from comic books and children's movies like Spider-Man, Kung Fu Panda, Anna and Elsa from Frozen, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Pokemons, and others. The marches will be accompanying the massive floats carrying the displays. The Sultan's Pool, Berchara Sultan venue, will host various events, including exhibition about World Jewry, created in cooperation with Beit Frutzot, the Museum of the Jewish People. I thought that's very cool. And if you're in Yerushalayim for Hanukkah, as many will be, you may want to join. We're going to end off with a classic, Yehoram Gaon and Odlo Ahavti Dai. 
we will do that right after we say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thank you to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network immediately after us, Yoni Pollock, with after further review covering the latest in the world of sports. And Novik now with Jake Novik commenting on the events of the day. And after that, the Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no, no, no. They're just running in a different race.